My mom did not leave my dad alone much. For my mom, caring for my dad was a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. She was in charge of my dad, and my dad was going to live a long and healthy life if she had to beat him to get it done. But on the times that she did leave him, and I would there, and I would be there with him, my dad would pull me to him, uh, pull me aside, pull, him, pull me close to him, and he would say this, here's how I want things done. I know I don't have much time left. I know how things are going to be when I'm gone. Here's how I want you to take care of things. Now, I'm telling you, he would say to me, because I want you to take care of things and I want you to do them this way. I didn't know what kind of gift he was giving me. Because there would be a lot of challenges following my dad's death. My mom would be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. For four years of her life, I would be her caregiver. I would be the one responsible for her. And yet, in the back of my mind, in every decision I made, I had dad's clear instructions to me. Son, this is how I want it done. That gave me a lot of peace when I was having to make some tough decisions. To know in my heart, I knew exactly what my dad wanted, and I was able to do pretty much what he asked me to do. I've told you before, I'm the only guy you know who will have to have two votes to get into heaven. One is when Jesus will say, well done, good and faithful servant, and the other one when my dad steps out from behind the throne and goes, hold on, Jesus, but I need to ask the boy a couple of things. The letter of Timothy is coming to an end. We're in the last chapter. Paul is drawing to a close the instructions that he is leaving for Timothy. And this is that moment, much like I had with my own dad, when Paul calls Timothy in and says, listen, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want things done. And what is it that he told Timothy? It's at the beginning of chapter four. Stand with me wherever you are in honor of God's word and hear Paul's letter to Timothy. Now, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word in season and out of season, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and they will turn aside to myths. But as for you, as for you, you exercise self-control. You exercise that self-control in everything, endure hardship, and you do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But as for you, you exercise self-control in everything. You endure hardship. You do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it. Believe it. And live. Let's pray together.
Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy holds on to the letters and hands them to his churches who hand them to other churches who after all of these years have handed them now to us. You would have thought he had read this morning's newspaper. But his word to us, his word to Timothy, to preach in and out of season, to do the work of evangelism could not be more urgent or timely than right now. We pray we will hear it. We pray we will do it, even as Timothy did. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So what is this great word that Paul is going to give Timothy? What is it that Timothy hears when Paul says, Timothy, I want you to come close. I'm going to tell you something really, really important. If you haven't heard anything else I've heard, I've said in this letter, if you haven't paid attention to anything else, I want you to pay attention to this. And that great word, I want you to preach. Say again. I want you to preach. Well, everything we've been talking about in this letter has been about encouraging Timothy to preach. And now we've come to the close where Paul really has to lay it down. This is what I want for you more than anything. I want you to preach. Well, don't you kind of think that the last thing you would need to tell a preacher is that he needs to preach? (laughs) You'd be surprised. You know, one of the first lessons any pastor learns when he goes to his first church is how hard it is to find time to preach. Oh, let me tell you what happens. Uh, Everybody wants to make an announcement during the service. Everybody wants to have some special music. Uh, Everybody wants to have prayer, this, that, all kind of celebrations and all kind of information And by the time you get up, they'll leave you eight or 10 minutes to get a word in for Jesus. You have to fight to say, listen, I need at least 20 minutes. I need at least 25 minutes. You have to fight for time during the week because there are committee meetings to go to. There are hospitals to visit. There are people who need counseling and homes that need to be visited. There are prospects who need to be called. And the last thing you have time to do is to prepare your sermon. You'd be surprised how hard a preacher has to fight to preach. Here's what I want you to do, Timothy. I want you to preach. Not only do I want you to preach, I want you to preach in season and out of season. I want you to preach regardless of the time. I want you to preach regardless of whether or not you think this is a good moment. Now, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there when a friend or having a conversation and somebody says something that opens that moment for a God conversation, for you to say something about the witness. But you're worried that, man, if I say something, I'm going to come across as heavy-handed. I'm going to come across as self-righteous, judgmental. I don't want to do that. So you say, this isn't the right time. This isn't the right season. So you don't say anything. Here is a miracle you haven't thought about. Preaching brings its own season. 
When God's word is spoken, things happen. Do you know in the ancient Hebrew language, there's no difference between word to speak and and to do? They're the same. Do you know that to speak and to do is the same? So in creation, when God speaks, creation happens. He speaks, the sun is created. He speaks, the moon is created. He speaks, and the oceans are limited on how far they can come up on the land. All of that happens because God speaks. God speaks, and Christ is raised from the dead. That same speech, when you and I witness to the power of God in our own lives, that same living word comes alive in you and through you and in the preaching and the proclamation, the word creates its own season. It may not have been the right time when you started, but by the time you finish, the preaching will have brought its own season. It's happened to you before, hasn't it? You come into church, you don't feel good, you'd rather not be here. You know, sometimes you think I can't see you, like there's some kind of screen between the podium and the pew. There's not, I can see you, I see it on your face. You sit down, fold your arms, and you look at me like, do something, impress me, and I'll preach. It will be a sermon that I've been working on all week, having no idea of how you would walk in or what you would bring in with you. And yet there will be something in that conversation between you and me. There'll be something in that sermon where God says, this is what I want you to hear. Pay attention and your life will be changed. Hope will be restored. Courage will be renewed. Because preaching brings its own season. I want you to preach in and out of season. I want you to to endure hardships. I want you to stay focused. Hardship is part of it. If you're going to preach, if you're going to share the gospel, that's what's going to happen. I want you to do the work of an evangelist. I want you to look for those opportunities and create those moments where the good, great news of the gospel can be shared. That's why you're here, Timothy. We forget that's why you and I are here. We get distracted with COVID. We get distracted with kids in school or not in school. We get distracted with who can work from home and who can't. We get distracted by do we wear a mask or not wear a mask. On and on it goes. And the thing that slips away from the moment is evangelism. So Paul reminds Timothy, Paul reminds us, preach in and out of season. Do the work of an evangelist. Finish your ministry. Finish your ministry. Grab hold of what God has called you to do and run through the tape. You don't have as much time as you think you do. 
Now, that is not an old preacher thing of reminding you that everybody dies. That is true. But see, you and I assume that the moment will always be open, that the Spirit will always be dealing with our friend. And when we come and and sit with our friend and we say, gosh, I need to say something about the gospel, and the window will be open in our friend's life. And if we are silent, that window may close. You don't have as much time as you think you do. You don't have as much time because, once again, Paul reminds us that people will turn away from truth. Not only will they turn away from truth, but they'll create other churches, so to speak. They'll create other groups where the speaker tells them what they already want to hear. Now, you're thinking that Paul read today's headlines. No, but Paul knew the human, he knew the human heart. He knew what we really want. I want someone to validate what I'm already doing. I want someone to agree with what I already believe and what I already think. So if the pastors won't do it, then we'll go find another pastor. We'll, know, we'll go find another leader. That's why Oprah is called the high priestess of America. Do you know that's one of her titles? You'll read a lot of articles that say she is now the spiritual leader of our country, or one of them. A profane young man by the name of Joe Rogan is, is the pastor of men, or so we're told by those who study culture. They go find people who tell them what they already want to hear. It makes it hard if you're committed to preaching the truth. But Timothy, you preach anyway, whether the season's right or not. Because ultimately, there is a judgment day. Now, I know we grew up, or I did, in a church where we were told to stop looking for signs and start listening for the trumpet, that the return of Jesus could happen before the service ended. We never knew. We don't talk much about the second coming anymore. I guess most of us are just trying to get through the day, and we don't think much about what will happen. But Jesus will return, and when he does... He will hold me accountable and you accountable for every opportunity, for every chance, for every moment that he gave us. He will judge the quick and the dead. You will stand before him, I will stand before him, and we will respond, give an account, for our choices and the lives that we led. Preach in and out of season. Why? Jesus is coming back. Do the work of an evangelist. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Finish your ministry. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Did you know that this thing of Jesus coming back, this promise of his return, 
is woven into the story of the Lord's Supper. COVID has made us change a lot of things. And if you're at home joining us now at the Lord's Supper, grab some bread, some grape juice. You can grab anything that you want to, as long as you understand this is a symbol of Christ's body and the symbol of his blood. When Jesus was alone with his disciples that night, the scriptures tell us that he took the bread, he broke it and blessed it. He gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat all of it. The scriptures tell us, and this is the neat part, that he took the cup and blessed it, passed it around, and when it came back to him, he put it down. I'm not going to drink with you, he says, not until everything is finished. We anticipate, even in this moment, while we celebrate his death, while we celebrate his resurrection, we anticipate his return. We will gather around the table with all the saints and Christ will serve us again. And this time he will drink with us because it will all be finished. The blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink all of it. You don't have the time. You think you do. James says that we make plans about the future, and we do so in great arrogance because tomorrow isn't guaranteed to anybody. Now, I, I'm not threatening you. I'm really not. I don't want to frighten you. That's not my point. My point is to help you understand there's an urgency to this moment. And if you do not have that relationship with Jesus Christ, will you get your phone right now and will you text connect to 623-623 and we'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. If you want to know more about our church, text connect to 623-623. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we can, I promise. Don't let this moment slip by, assuming that you'll have another chance. That's not promised. What you do have is this moment right now. Lord Jesus, we pray every choice right now, every decision is exactly what you want. Thanks for being part of our services. We are glad you're part of Brentwood Baptist Church, even if it is online. Thanks for being with us, and I'll see you next time.